previously on Transformers Chronicle. Long story short, at one point I wanted to go buy a toy and my mom instead took me to the drugstore because it got late in the day and I knew there wasn't any toy there, but I knew I better not bug my mom or, you know, I might have a sore backside. So I went looking for anything I could find and sure enough, there was a comic book stand. It was Transformers 24 and that issue, Optimus Prime died. Spoiler, that. But don't worry, you got a couple of years to, to catch up to it. You'll okay. forget. And, <laughs> and that happened. And at that point, I was completely hooked. And my mom inadvertently created a monster. And from there, that was history. Prime, you can't die. Do not grieve. Soon, I shall be one with the Matrix. Prime. Uh, of leadership as it was passed to me but prime i'm i'm just a soldier i i'm not worthy <sighs> nor was i but one day an autobot shall rise from our ranks and use the power of the matrix to light our darkest hour until that day Wow. Transformers 24. My first issue. Can't wait to cover this one, and I know everyone else is just as excited. Ah, I'm here. Hi, Delvin. Uh, hi, Maggie. What are you doing? Playing retro video games. Retro? Those graphics are incredible. I didn't believe it either, but Pat says it's from 1986. The drying screen really helps. How did you even get that thing through the door? Never mind. Look, turn the game off, we've got to record. This is the most important issue we've covered so far, and you three are screwing around. No can do, Delvin. We've got to play this through to the end. The stakes are higher than you could possibly imagine. Yep. I'll see. Stakes? Oh no. Tell me you didn't. Ha! No! Oh my god, he's gonna blow! No! Uh, 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 um, Pat, you're, you're not exploding. Exploding? It's worse than that. I owe John five bucks now. Half of that's mine, legally. Wait, why do you have wires connected to all of your heads if this was just a bet for five dollars? Video game systems were weird in the 80s. While they get themselves untangled, prepare yourselves for a video game with even higher stakes. Higher stakes than five bucks? <sighs> yeah, higher stakes than five bucks, Pat. And an ethical decision that will affect this book for years. All that, and Ethan Zachary on Transformers Chronicles, The Marvel Years. <laughs> Transformers Chronicles, The Marvel Years. Hello, and welcome back to Transformers Chronicles. I'm Delvin, a.k.a. The Dark Web. And in case you're new to the show, welcome. And let me tell you what this thing is all about. We're going for a wild, crazy ride, chronicling the awesome, wacky, and sometimes corny world of Marvel Comics, The Transformers. 
but I won't be going out it alone. Let's meet my chronicling companions for 24 episodes now. First up is a man, despite his lifelong of comics, has never encountered Marvel's Transformers until now. And he wants to see what all the fuss is about with these robots in disguise. He is the founder of the Longbox Crusade. His name is Pat Sampson, a.k.a. DJ Christatos. Welcome, Pat. Hello, Devin. Hello. How's it going? It's going all right. You know, uh, you know, I thought it was going all right, but now I'm a little sad. Why are you uh, sad? Because I, I found out that, you know, what happens to Optimus? Yeah. We kind of held that back for you for about two years or so now, and uh, well, we're, we're going to talk about it. Don't 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 tell me your feelings now. Don't start crying. Leave the tears in <laughs> as much as you can. I know you're emotional, but I, I know, I know. Go on mute. Like no, no one wants to hear a grown man cry. It's okay. Sad. okay. Okay. We will move on to our Transformers expert. He is the lesser half of Mary with comic. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm sorry. There's there's been an update. Mary watching cartoons. The provider of knowledge, Jonathan Schaefer. Hey, John, how are you? Hello, Delvin. I am doing all right. I'm a little bewildered and confused, and it's like I played a video game, but somebody, but then like they accidentally played the wrong cutscene, and some mm-hmm. character that I thought died early on was like in the cutscene, and I yeah. was like, this cheap video game, <laughs> <laughs> and then it exploded. Yeah, that sounds like you know it could be problematic. We, we might be discussing something about that. It definitely became a whole thing this issue. That's for sure. So you're excited about this issue too. You've said a couple of times this is your first one, so there's going to be some happy thoughts there, regardless that's, of content. That's true. You you never forget your first, right? Mm-hmm. It was very special. I I was nervous. I didn't quite know how to handle <laughs> her. You know, I was, I was kind of rough. You know, Ooh. flipping things back and forth. Dog-deared it. And whatnot. Yeah, you know, yeah. just left her just sitting there on the counter yeah. sometimes. You know, it could have been wet underneath. I don't know. Like, But I got better. That's the important thing. You know, but you never do forget your first. That's, <laughs> that, that awkward, horrible transition apart is a good opportunity to bring up Maggie Schaefer Hames. The greater half of Married with Comics, Married watching cartoons. MWC, that's the important thing. Maggie, please bring some class and grace back to the show. Yeah, I was like, oh, good, I get to follow that. <laughs> good luck! Yay, me! Hey, Delvin, how's it going? Hi, Maggie. It's good. It's yeah. very good. Glad to hear it. Were you around? Were you with us in the year of our Lord, 1986? No. <laughs> nope. Three wow. years active. This was October of 86. It was almost exactly three years before I was born. No, she was here. She just took that year off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was on furlough. Yeah. Got, gotcha. You, you had not yet graced the planet with your oh. existence yet, but oh. you're here now I and am. you're reading the book. And that's, that's the important thing. And, and only if you want to, you can tell us something about your life. Well, I, I did get a new job at my current job, but just a new position, which was good. It's a promotion. I applied for it. I got the job. I've been doing it Heck. for a week now. <laughs> so it's very fresh. Heck yeah. Congratulations. I know Thank it's you. tough getting those promotions at work sometimes. I'm trying to work on a better position myself and yeah. it takes a lot of work. No doubt about it. And no but doubt it was. It. Yeah. And no doubt it was very well deserved. Oh, See? You did a you did a great job bringing class back to 
you know, my very awful, horrible comments equating uh, comic book reading with virginity, which maybe <laughs> some comic book readers know about. You know what? I, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling us right back down into the gutter. I, uh, That's you, quite the rabbit hole there. You should have like <laughs> or something. I can't do that on command. Oh. <laughs> That's probably a good thing. The purpose of this podcast will be tackling all of Marvel's Transformers comics in order, starting with issue one and working our way to the series end at issue 80. We will answer any questions that are brought up to the best of our ability and seeing how these books we loved as a kid and picked up for the first time hold up to our cynical adult eyes. This podcast is guaranteed to be, you guessed it, more than meets the eye. So gang, let's celebrate 24 episodes, two years worth of Transformers comics together by saying goodbye to a legend right after this promo. The Transformers will return after these messages. There's something like 115,000 English language podcasts in the world, and no doubt hundreds of them are aimed at the comic book genre. There are sci-fi comic podcasts. Horror comic podcasts. War comic podcasts! But do you know what we need? Two guys crazy enough to combine those fields and make a podcast of their very own? Yes. It's the answer to a question no one asked, so that's why we are answering it. Such a gaping hole in the podcast landscape must be filled post-haste. Did you really just use the word post-haste? The Weird Warriors podcast covers the Weird War Tales comic book series published by DC Comics from 1971 to 1983. Along the way, we'll also check out other horror and war comics published by DC, Marvel, Charlton, and any other targets that may present themselves to us. I have the war books, and he has the horror books. So if you're ready to take a nice, relaxing look at the hell of war in comic book form from the age of the caveman to the distant future, then report for duty by subscribing to the Weird Warrior Podcast, brought to you by the Brothers Fleen, wherever fine podcasting provisions are issued. Vampires. Aliens. Dinosaurs. Alien dinosaurs. There's something for everyone. General Sherman said war is hell, but do you know what else is? weird for our purposes yes so tune in to the weird warrior podcast today do it that's an order yes sir don't call me sir i work for a living but we're not getting paid for this Dang. well i'm max and i'm rich and we're going to be bringing you the weird warriors podcast where we will promise to make war no more we now return to the transformers welcome back the issue we will be covering today is Transformers issue 24. And here is John with a well-prepared cover description. <sighs> <laughs> Let's just uh, spend some time looking at Optimus Prime in the corner box, shall we? Here he is all stalwart and true and at his most noble, pointing down at us with his gun ready to lead us, and he's giving us a speech, probably about freedom or sentient beings or something. Man, I mean, even the blotchy coloring of Nel Yamtov cannot ruin the iconic nature that is that picture underneath the 25th anniversary. Well, there isn't really anything else to talk about on this one or for the rest of this issue, so let's go pick this back up in about issue 50 or so, right? Uh-oh. No, 
No. Anywho. Gotta get through it. All right. So the More Than Meets the Eye logo is in block white, uh, which is uh, contrasted by the really slick looking black background. The the in the Transformers is yellow, and the Transformers is orange with a uh, purple trim, which actually looks uh, pretty decent with the rest of the color scheme going on. Most of the action is uh, we are looking uh, over the shoulder of one Ethan Zachary, who is playing a video game so huge it needs two joysticks in order to command this spread out so wide that he has to stretch as far as he can in either direction in order to make what's happening on the screen happen or try to avoid it. But in any case, what we're seeing is a digitized Megatron shooting a digitized Optimus Prime in the arm, and Optimus is flailing back with an owl-my-arm look on the face. And below that, we see Game Over Optimus Prime. And that is my very well-prepared description of this cover. Delvin. And very well done, I might add. We should probably talk about the thing. And Pat, since you're the only one that's not off of mute at this moment, I need you to come off mute and talk to us about this cover. All right. This cover is all right. The digitized pictures of Megatron and Prime kind of in a, in that battle. It's all right. But I guess, you know, you're thinking about back then, this is like a super large screen that the guy's looking at right now. And you have the computer, which is way bigger than the, you know, Apple Watch on my wrist right now. Or the, you know, our smartphones nowadays. So you can definitely see the 80s computer influence here on this one. Mm-hmm. And it seems like I've seen something like this cover done kind of previously in some other issues, uh, other comic book issues where they got a guy at a computer, purplish, black in the background, and you can see something going on on the big screen. Um, I think there's a Superman one like that. Uh, a few other ones out there that have kind of kind of done that as well, too. So. Yeah, the Superman one with Lex Luthor was probably right around the same time. It was either like a Man of Steel or one of the very early of the new John Superman like one. Did either Lex Luthor or Superman have a fusion cannon? <laughs> I can't. Where would they keep it? You see, this is these are the questions. <laughs> Superman's got laser eyes. If we get Michael <laughs> Bailey back on, we can ask him. He's a he's the, the Superman expert. Hmm. Okay. Well, while we ponder those mysteries, uh, we will pass it off to John. John, what do you think about the cover? Well, I bet you this cover probably sold a lot of issues. Um, just because at the it's a it's a really interesting looking thing, very eye catching. It does in a way dep- in a way depict something that happens in the issue, uh, especially if as we were reading up to this in the previous issue where it had said Optimus Prime versus Megatron to the death in the next issue. And in my case, I had just read the uh, Transformers the movie adaptation issue one, which shows Optimus Prime uh, dying in that one. So that was very, very much on my mind. And I was hoping beyond hope that they wouldn't kill him in the comic books, too. But then getting this and I had really, really uh, leading up to this had kidded myself that they weren't going to. And even up to when it said Optimus Prime versus Megatron to the death. And it's like, yeah, well, it's in in number six, it said that it was going to be Shockwave versus Megatron to the death. Mm-hmm. And they're still alive. So they could just be swerving us that way. This yeah. cover wasn't uh, making me feel any better about um, how this was going to go. 
Uh, but but I do like the cover. I think it's it's one of the more iconic ones. Uh, if anybody's thinking of original series or Marvel Transformers comics covers, they'll think number five are all are all dead cover. They'll think of this and some other ones. I like it. Maggie, you're relatively new to this stuff. What do you think? I like it. I think it's pretty slick. I like the purple around the orange for the Transformers. I think it's kind of cool how they like used a bunch of little tiny dots to make it look digitized for Megatron mm-hmm. and Optimus. I think they did a really good job with making that kind of video game effect. Um, and the sort of shadowy part at the bottom with the, the console and the two joysticks with Ethan Zachary sitting at the chair. I think it's a very cool cover. I quite like it. And since this is my first, you know, I always ask that question of... If someone's looking at this cover, would they be attracted or something to buy it? And, you know, I'm trying to dial back to goodness, almost 35 years ago, mm-hmm. um, where a what had to be about a nine year old me is walking through a Big B drugstore and I go to the comic book stand and I see the Transformers, which is cool. I love Transformers. And then I'm looking and then there's something that's saying game over Optimus Prime and he's being shot. And I'm like, whoa, you know, and that something about that was enough to make a nine year old go and pick up this cover. And I look at it now and knowing the things that I know about it, it, it it's super clever to me I because like John came from the perspective of he had read something where Optimus Prime just died and he was hoping that that didn't occur. And you look, you see game over Optimus Prime and it's almost like, is this trivial? Is this just something that they're saying to hook you into just buying it? And then it's like, oh, he died. It was a video game. So it's not going to be any effects, right? Hmm. I don't, I don't know. And all of that is definitely reasons to pick this thing up and I definitely do like the cover and it was a pretty clever portrayal of what happened in the book. And with all of that discussed, we should rate it. If you don't know, we rate these things here on Transformers Chronicles on a scale of 1 to 10, like the tech specs on the toys. 1 is low, 10 is high. Pat is rating it right now. What do you rate this, Pat, from 1 to 10? I am going to rate this a 7. I'm not so high on it as probably uh, the rest of you guys are on it. Maybe it's just because the I don't have that nostalgia feel for it. This is probably like the first time I've kind of seen this cover. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, going with the seven. Okay, we will go with Maggie. Maggie, what would you rate it? I'm going to give it just one more. I'm going to go with an eight for the cover. Pass the mic to John. John, what do you have? Uh, I like this, this escalation thing. I was going to give it a nine anyway, so I'm... <laughs> Uh, I'll give it a nine. It's not quite perfect, but it is hovering right there. So nine for me. How about you, Devin? You know, minus everything, I probably was about the eight level of it. And then it's like, you know, there's only so many times that you can mark out over things in life. And if I can't mark out over the first dang comic book that I ever picked up and got me started on a lifelong love affair, I can't mark over anything. That said, this is a 10. Uh because it got me into this whole thing. And so I will unabashedly mark out for Transformers 24, the cover. And that's that. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong. I appreciate Seven, eight, that. Nine, ten. Seven, eight, nine, ten. Yes. Now, here's Pat with the credits for the issue. All right. We're going to look at Transformers 24. 
1984. It was on sale date of October 14, 1986, but its cover date was January 1987. Story was by Bob Budiansky. Pencils go to Don Perlin. Inks. We have two people. We have Ian Aiken and Brian Garvey. Colors go to Neil Yamtov. Letters, Janice Chang. And editor is Don Daly. Cover credits go to Herb Trimpey. And this is all brought to you by Mike's Amazing World and tfwiki.info. And with that, let's get to the synopsis. It is a world transformed where things are not what they seem. It is the world of the of this issue was after death. I mean, the issue starts out innocently enough as Ethan Zachary is doing what any gamer would do given the opportunity, playing a cool video game on a big ass screen. He does this to let off steam from researching the hydrothermocline, which doesn't matter. I wouldn't be bringing it up if it weren't important. The Decepticon Vortex is hovering above. As we find out the Autobots know about um, as well due to them reworking the cerebral shell that they found in Optimus Prime's head in a piece of really bad editing that we'll get to later. So, with all the Combaticons and Megatron get to the plant where the MacGuffin is, they find no human resistance, but instead find Optimus Prime and the Protectobots. After some combining and posturing, the two leaders and the Combaticons into Bruticus and the Protectobots into Defensor, Bruticus intercepts a fleeing Ethan Zachary and he has a pretty novel plan. Let the Autobots and Decepticons battle it out in the video game instead of causing damage to the plant and to the Framstambulator. For their own reasons, both Prime and Megatron agree, but Megatron ups the ante from not only does the winner get to claim the thingamabob for their own if they choose, Megatron would, Prime wouldn't, duh, but the losing leader gets detonated. All of the Combaticons lose against the Protectobots, largely due to their disrespect of the denizens of the video game, which Prime warned the Autobots about and Megatron couldn't have cared less about, leaving Megatron to face off against Prime and Defensor. Defensor blows up the bridge Megatron and he were standing on, thus ending the game. Not quite. Thanks to Vortex's previous recon, he discovered a cheat code after death which puts Megatron back in the game. He immediately takes advantage and has Prime on the brink of falling off a cliff, but Prime dismantles the tower Megatron was standing on, sending Megatron to his doom and thus ending the game. Not quite. Prime also endangered the denizens of the video games, which goes against his personal code and the Autobot way, and in real life, tells Ethan Zachary to press the button that detonates him, not Megatron. Ethan does what Prime asks. Optimus Prime is blown up. Megatron and the Decepticons leave with the who's a what's it. The Autobots leave with Prime's detonated remains. Ethan Zachary? Optimus Prime was the greatest warrior he's ever met. Maybe there's a life after death for him too.
let's talk about the book. On Transformers Chronicles, we take turns bringing up something from the comic book, and we talk about the goods, the bads, the everything in between, and everyone discusses. You know what, Pat? We kept you on hold the longest for this. Like, we went through some okay. pretty good pains not to tell you anything about this book. Purposefully so. This is the end of two years of Transformers. Mm-hmm. I want to hear your comments first. Well, I guess, you know, I kind of knew that something was coming. I didn't know when. But my, my question is, being a newcomer to this, was it all planned out that way? Were they doing it because of the movie? It from what I understand, uh, yes, it, they wanted to have that level of synergy uh, with the movie. So when the movie came out and Marvel had uh, they had covered the or had done the adaptation of the movie, which means they were doing that off of original shooting scripts and artwork. So they had known about that a while before. OK, probably the movie came out. And so they they knew for at least that long. But it wasn't knowing what we know now and looking at this. It does kind of come out of nowhere mm-hmm. if we're seeing how the plots were going and it was really building up and was all about, you know, getting the the Autobots out and, and Circuit Breaker and all of this stuff. It, it would really it seemed to be a strange thing to go right from that to. And now uh, we're going to kill off Optimus Prime. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely thought it was like this is really fast and just kind of crazy, kind of flaky way of doing it, too. It was like, come on, Optimus. There's got to be a better way you could have, you know, done something else or at least, and you know what, at least go out into video game then at least not just, oh, well, I did, I didn't do right. So now you can go ahead and hit the button. And then the guy hits a button. What's up with that guy? I am, <laughs> I, I am of so many minds about this. And I, I honestly, I can't decide. Nine-year-old Delvin, I read this and I was in shock. I'm like. There is no way Optimus Prime is dead. He he blew up. There's a we've barely seen splash pages. Like we've even complained that like some of the combiners deserved like a splash page where you could see the combiner robots in full majesty. We didn't get that. We got a splash page of Optimus Prime being blown the f up. (laughs) No kidding. Yeah. To see him explode and all of that, and his arms are flying in every direction, and the shock look on the um, the mm-hmm. faces of the protector bots in the background, and Megatron's looking pleased. Great bit of art. I'm not a fan of of the coloring, but that you can just <laughs> add that to the end. My friend Brian, he and I were the t- we would both collect Transformers comics and talk about them all the time. He bought bought this one before I was able to. Called me up on the phone and told me what happened. In oh, this, true. in this thing. Oh, actually, at that point, we had a, I had a much different relationship with spoilers. It was okay I was gonna to do say, so. Spoilers. But I thought he was making it up because he had done that in the past. He would call <laughs> me up to say, "Yeah, I got Transformers Ten, and like, all oh, Omega Supreme showed up, and Mac- Metroplex, and Galvatron, you know, all of these things." And he'd be making it up, and I'm like, "You're making this up. This is the stupidest story I've ever heard." No, and I bought it. Sure enough, yeah. So. Do you think that Optimus Prime made the right decision, Pat? And I'm, I know that's a tough question. I'm passing that one around. Do you think he made the right decision? Right. I, I think, yeah, as a leader, he did. I think he, you know, he needed to prove that, you know, I'm going to do what I say and I'm going to lead how I lead. Was it the right one to do? Eh. You know what? And in doing what he did with the bridge, 
they, these were just computer people. They were, you know, ones and zeros mm-hmm. in a video game. Let, but it didn't matter. Let's pass it. Maggie, what do you think? Uh, by right decision, do you mean to blow himself up at the end? Is that the decision you're talking about? Yes. Then, no, absolutely not. I understand that it was meant to come across as like a noble sacrifice with Optimus making the ultimate sacrifice because he had compromised his ethics in order to win at this game. But I didn't find it to be, I don't even know what word I'm looking for. I didn't find it to be that that effective or like have that kind of gravitas. It kind of just struck me as being a very silly decision and it could have been easily avoided. And he had an opportunity right there to destroy the worst of the worst Decepticon and instead chose to abandon the Autobots and blow himself up over a technicality. John? I agree in principle with what Maggie was saying, but I, on the other hand, the thing that's most wrong with this, I get it. And even Budiansky himself has said, because he's been asked about this issue probably more than anything else in his you know, career. And he said he was definitely trying to go for to really set Optimus Prime up as this moral paragon who was better than anybody else. But I, it comes across as absurd. I think it would have worked a little better if they would have had him active, if he would have actively taken out you know, one of the innocents to get Megatron. But in this, all he did was reach up and pull down a pipe. And then there were these things in there that fell out. He didn't know they were in there. Plus, Megatron had clearly cheated. And everyone watching the thing had known this. But I can understand why Optimus Prime, especially this Optimus Prime, would think it was perfectly all right and and necessary to defend these life forms. Because let's face it, he's only met four humans. One of them is Spider-Man, and the other ones he doesn't really understand all that much. These computer life forms are the closest thing to actual alien life that he's seen. These things are probably seem more alive to him than human beings do, even though the rest of the protector bots seem to be okay with that they're not real. But that's right. He set those rules. I get where it was going for. I did not feel satisfied by it. In this one, I'm torn. Because looking back and knowing what I knew about the book and reading and seeing how many times in the book Optimus Prime mentioned that we are about protecting life. This is what we do. Even in this video game, we will respect the lives of the the denizens in this video game and treat them as if they were real. Even in the video game, he said that. And so at the end... Even if he didn't know it, he wound up costing them some of their lives in order to take out the bad guy. And that's something that he couldn't face in real life. And that's where the tough part of it comes in for me, because it would have been like a part of me is like, I do understand him standing up for his morals, even if it cost him his life. There's something about that that is noble. Yeah. And then there's also something where he could have said, you know, I absolutely will reflect on that and become a better person and leader. Ethan, blow the hell out of Megatron right now. <laughs> Thank you. Boom! We're just, okay, you know, yeah. we're at a draw. You know, you cheated. <laughs> yeah. I cheated. Yeah. We're even. But they they never, they didn't know he cheated. Yeah. Ethan, Ethan Zachary might cheated. Ethan is Zach- very loose. Hmm? Ethan Zachary yeah, at the very least should have been able to figure out that he cheated and said, wait a minute. Plus, earlier also... Uh, frickin' blast up or or brawl, 
is which who's the helicopter? The who helicopter from back to con is going is yelling is yelling at Megatron, boss, I heard it. All you have to do is think after death and then you'll be okay. He's he saying this out loud. And what else can he, he didn't yell it? He didn't yell it, John. That was that was a that was a private conversation that they had. Yeah, um, I think Megatron str- actually had him by the throat or something at the time. Yeah, because Megatron was kind of like, uh, where are you, losers? <laughs> like, like, why am yeah. I alone in the game? Because he sent them all off, so he didn't know that they'd all died in the video game. And then he starts to get real angry, and I think he grabs him by the neck and is demanding stuff. And this guy's like, uh, here, I know this stuff. Yeah, but Zach, he says, stand it right there. He was distracted. He was into the game. He then should have been able to realize that he cheated. Yeah, I mean, everyone was watching or was there, and they saw he saw him fall down, and then suddenly Megatron's alive again. But see, as, as a host and a devil's advocate here, I have to say or ask the question: Megatron cheated. So what? That's what he does. It's Megatron. He's evil. He doesn't care. He cheated. He found his way back in the game. Should that then mean that Optimus Prime should have compromised his morals because Megatron cheated? If no. that's the case, then then Optimus Prime is a bad leader for even putting himself in that situation. He's hamstringing himself to a situation, putting his fate into the hands of a human he's just met, knowing full well the Megatron's going to cheat. Not only that, but I don't think that Optimus even really like betrayed his morals in this because I I, I guess and it's kind of a, an issue of semantics, but I would think that there has to be some kind of intent to break your own moral or ethic boundaries that you set for yourself. That's you, a conscious choice. And in this, it was just, it was an unfortunate accident. But it's not like Optimus said, you know, well, I have to do this and sacrifice these many lives in order to win. He wasn't aware of what was going on. So I don't think he compromised anything. I think it was just an unfortunate happen. Pat, you have something to add. I was going to add that I didn't feel that this had the substance enough when Optimus died. For me, just because I feel over what we've read, Optimus hasn't really been super forefront a lot of these issues. It's been more other characters and other things going on to where it's like, okay, Optimus dies, but it's like, I don't have that good, you know, that feeling for him that I should, you know, because I didn't really read a lot of him in this book or in the series up to it. In the cartoon, he's there all the time and he's you know, leading them, and he's doing all mm-hmm. that in mm-hmm. these issues that, you know, yeah, he was there as a leader. Most of the time, you know what? Three, four issues, he's ahead, and he's not doing anything. <laughs> Three, four? God, he was yeah. ahead for eight issues. Okay, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. see? So, no, absent- I, I get yeah. you there, and I think, and when I read this initially, and even even looking back, I'm pro- projecting so much of the cartoon onto it. Yeah, because I think so. It, it was so frustrating as a kid to read this comic up to this point and have Optimus Prime be barely in it. And there's like, you know, we've covered this for two years. Mm-hmm. There's only really the one issue, two issues. You could say 12 and 19 is where he's able to really cut loose and do all sorts of things that you can punch the air and go, yay, Optimus. Mm-hmm. And then finally, in, in what is supposed to be his, um, you know, like final hurrah, they do it in a video game. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Man, that's that's so what I, I feel. It's like, really? He's been through a lot, having his head off, back on, shaking around. You know, Wheeljack was just taking Ratchet's drill and pulling, <laughs> you know, pulling head chips out. And so I'm not sure so, if he was entirely making the right, you know, knew what decisions he was making. 
So I have a counter of sorts. It's like you have a couple of choices. I mean, we know that Bob Budiansky had a mandate to spotlight a lot of different Transformers and everything in the book. And, you know, you got 22 pages and you could put Optimus Prime in a lot of that, but he would probably cast a shadow over a lot of the Autobots and the Decepticons that he has. And then there's also this, like particularly from the Decept, excuse me, the Autobot side, most of the books had Optimus Prime in it in one way or the other. Like his leadership was reflected the entire time. Even if he wasn't in the story, you had a lot of the Autobots mentioning about the way of life of protecting the citizens of Earth. And that is a theme that has been throughout the entire book. And that's something that's been a direct reflection of the leader. And now that Optimus Prime was here in this story, he continued to pound that lesson home about protecting life at all costs because they have a responsibility to do so. Which is to say, I, I don't quite agree with you guys just saying, well, he hasn't been there. He has. And that's going to be the effect of any leader. Like you, if you're a leader, you have to trust your people to do the right thing. You can't be there at all times. And so the lessons that you impart upon your team are the lessons that you hope that they carry within them when they go out and you have to trust them to do those things. Does that make any sense? It, it makes sense, but I can't have a feel for somebody dying mm-hmm. if I don't have a reason to have a feel for them. You know what I mean? I, you know, I think like G.I. Joe is parallel. Yeah. would have been like mm-hmm. like right at this time both Transformers and G.I. Joe both shuffle up their situations so they're able to tell stories about how everybody deals with having new leaders and so it was a big deal when Cobra Commander supposedly was killed off or was replaced by Serpentor and it was a big deal when um, Duke was getting replaced by Hawk again because we had really spent time with Duke and all of it and, it, and that really hit I think a lot harder than this did for me. I agree with you on that. Now, looking at it now, sure, especially with all as we're doing it and that leadership's there and and you can look at the iconic aspect, but I can definitely see why going through it, it does seem a bit hollow. Maggie, did you want to add anything to that? It's been a decent amount of John and Pat. Um, I, I think this seems to be an issue where, especially reading it as an adult, You're going to bring all of your previous experiences with you and your life experiences and other comic book experiences. So we're going to interpret things like leadership, morals, and ethics a lot differently because we've all had different kinds of lives. Absolutely. I know from my experiences that Optimus Prime dies a lot. (laughs) And I think that if I was a kid and reading it for the first time, I probably would have been devastated. You know, it would have been like Batman dying. Like, he never does that. Um, But I think... Being where I am and, and who I am in the moment where I was reading the comic book, I was like, yeah, all right, he, he's, he's dead. He comes back and they'll die again. <laughs> so <laughs> so the, the emotional weight of the moment was kind of lost on me. But also, I think partly because I, I just didn't fully buy into the whole video game story aspect of it. Um, one of the things I had to remind myself of was that, you know, the creators of the comic books didn't quite realize what they had. And I don't think they fully realized how popular Optimus had become because they killed them off in the books and they, and they killed them off in the movie so that they can do new toys. But they broke the hearts of millions of children when they did that, not realizing that Optimus had become very near and dear to a lot of their fan base, their, their, those kids. 
because in, in my head, I was thinking, well, if, if this is how you're going to kill Optimus Prime, the leader of the Autobots, surely he should go out in some kind of larger bang. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they didn't know it at the time. They, they didn't think anything of it. They just wanted to have a new line of toys to come out with new characters, which I totally understand. Um, but that also kind of, I think, detracts a little bit from the, the emotional weight of the issue, which as a kid, you're not going to pick up on that nearly as much. Well, I certainly will forever hate Rodimus Prime for that reason. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Forever. Like, ever. <laughs> ever. That's, that's okay. a big chip off your shoulder. Oh, just, oh, Rodimus. You know, current Maggie and young you could have conversations about how they <laughs> hate Rodimus. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> they on Rodimus Prime. Oh, they just forced him upon us. Like, oh, he's so cool. I'm like, no, he's not. He's a it's teenager a, that got a cool toy. Anyway, he's a tryhard. Is the problem with Hot Rod? He's a tryhard. Back to back to issue twenty four. Like we've talked a lot about Optimus Prime, and of course that's that's a pretty good reason for that. But there are some other things that happen in the book that might be worth talking about. I don't know. Maybe yes, no. Uh, do you guys have anything else to talk about? Oh I yeah. I thought the video game thing was kind of interesting. Cool kind of concept. Uh, reminded me back in the day, back when I was that old in 86, playing with the, the computers as they were starting to come out at that time. Back in my day, we just had this little, you know, VGA, not even VGA screen, you know, and you just had all, you know, we're playing Karateka and all these other cool games. But um, I always liked uh, RPG, so I thought this was kind of a cool concept that this guy was doing. I would have killed to have this game existed yeah. in 1986. Yeah. Heck yeah. That I game is. have this available now. Plug your heads right in, and there you are. <laughs> yeah, and, there you go. and on that screen, that screen, yeah, screen. was <laughs> enormous. Like, you, no, there is not a gamer alive that if you had an opportunity to do that, you'd be like, yes. Yeah, exactly. Heck like, yeah. What every video game is missing is a 50 foot screen. Right. <laughs> Could you imagine even playing Pong? Could you imagine yes. playing Pong oh, on a fifth? Oh my God. So that, would intense. Be, that, would be, ah, that would be so fun. I would be love amazing. to play Pong on a 50 foot screen. Are you kidding me? With tons of soda all around you, bags of chips open everywhere. And yes, just, of course. People with their Pizza sleeping too. bags behind you. It's, whose turn is it now? You know, oh, it's a yeah. slumber party. That, that would be great. That would be great. <laughs> I, I, I actually thought that the video game idea was novel. I felt it was set up well, where I'll talk about that con- the continuity next, but they flipped the Cerebral Shell and then had the Streetwise, I think it is, uh, the Protector Bot go as a cop car and get all the humans out of the way. That was a very smart ploy by the Autobots. So it was just going to be Autobots versus Decepticons, no human life, also still Prime's whole thing. And... Ethan Zachary saw the place was going to be destroyed and very quickly came up with that idea about, well, hey, video game. And then it could fit both Autobot and Decepticon because that's what the Decepticons were there for. And it fits the Autobots because it was lack of any bloodshed and destruction of property. So they're both kind of happy about that. I thought that was a pretty good setup. I, I don't I don't want our adult eyes to be so cynical that we missed it. That was a pretty good idea overall in the story and to come up with it i think i agree okay yeah. but i do want to mention as well the piece of continuity that was like i i mean even in my head was like whoop, whoop, like no the That's cerebral shell was not in optimus prime's head it was in his armpit 
Yep. Like, did uh-huh. it, did it. Oh, oh, yeah, that's right. Well, who knows how long that drill is? Sorry there, Prime. As, as soon as they said that, I'm like, oh, no, that's <laughs> a pretty bad piece of continuity. And Bob, for the most part, and uh, the editor is Don Daly at this point. They did switch editors, but at the same time, I was like, that is a glaring continuity error there because they did the whole setup where Prime got cut like under his armpit mm-hmm. and that's where Bombshell put the Cerebral Shell and then they used that as a plot point that he wasn't able to take over Optimus Prime's body and mind because it didn't go in his mind but they were able to read his thoughts instead and then now they somehow messed that up and just said oh no we plucked this out of your head Optimus and I'm like ooh <laughs> well, my interpretation of it when I first read it was that it it made its way up to its head, like through its sort of cytocircuitry bloodstream. No, I can see that. Yeah. Do they move? Would it move? It is. Well, it's a, it's a cerebro shell, you know, so I think the idea is it's supposed to go. To... <laughs> well, maybe his brain's in his armpit. I'm, 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 I'm tracking with John. That's how I thought. <laughs> okay, but, right. yeah, I'm, I'm kind of tracking. It's in the bloodstream I, there and. Travels, travels to the brain. Well, got, like liquid fuel, like lines and things like that. So it went in and then just kind of like swung up and grabbed on. I have to go look at that issue again. Listen. Yeah, I, I just I saw that and and that was just kind of like, that's something that a newcomer wouldn't know and maybe they just simplified it. But I, trust me, it wasn't where I was like, oh, the book's ruined now, and I you know threw it in the shredder. It just happened to be one of those things that I did pick up on immediately as kind of a as a uh, plot. Point, but maybe your um, robot capillary and veins theory, John, <laughs> would win you a no prize. Naturally occurring gears, pulleys, and um, yeah, levers. Okay, we've talked a decent amount, but I'm more than willing to talk some more. Is there anything else that someone wants to add? I got one thing that's it's kind of funny, uh, especially since with the previous couple of issues where they went through all of that elaborate steps to tell us where the aerial bots and stunticons had come from. You know, they had to, you know, built them and use the creation yeah. matrix and Megatron intercepted and stole it and all of that. Yeah. It was all cool. <laughs> and in this one, it's like, and nope, they're just here. New robots. Vector <laughs> bots and, yeah, and, you had the and new uh, ones. no explanation given before or since as <laughs> to uh, where they're from. Yeah. I was thinking the same thing too. I'm like, okay, are these... The other ones we just saw, or are these new ones? I'm like, oh, they're new ones. They got new names, and they got new big guy names. You know, they're, they're new kid names. Yep, they were new, and I was personally excited to see them because I had, uh, I had a couple of these as a kid. I had Brawl the Tank, and I think my cousin Tim had Swindle, Swindle the Jeep, mm. and cool. maybe. Onslaught as well, the he big was a truck. Cool toy. He was yes. a really cool toy. Yeah, so had three of those at least. Yeah, that was almost a full combiner. I have one other thing. I thought it was kind of interesting and kind of just kind of fun when you got just Megatron and Prime just kind of standing around next shoulder to shoulder to each other, kind of just kind of hey buddy, hey buddy, <laughs> yep. let's just kind of chill out here, you know? When they when they could have just been punching each other. <laughs> But they're all just well, standing around. Okay, we got to play by the rules here. You know, tell us how to play the game. But 
there's a reason. They did give a reason for that. Well, I know, but I just found it. When all the other times when they were together, they were punching each other. Now they're all like, hey, cool. You know, let's just hang out, buddy. John, Maggie, you got anything else? I mean, nothing, nothing big. I, there was one panel that I thought was really, really cool. And it's, I think, towards the end when Megatron's just figured out that he can cheat. And he's smiling at Ethan Zachary. Oh, he looks and so sinister. He's got this amazing sinister smile on his face. And I don't even care that he's a robot who's got teeth. It works. <laughs> it did. That is a creepy yeah. smile. And I thought that was a very good piece of artwork. But otherwise, no, I, that's that's all I've got to really say about it, I think. Uh, apropos of nothing, a uh, floppy disk of that size of that era uh, would top out at about seven kilobytes of data you save on that thing. <laughs> the best that existed at the time by IBM, which we can assume that this company was comparable with, had up to a meg. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there were talks of actually being able to maybe compress a gig into one storable thing, but people found that laughable, thinking wow. that there would be no reason that anyone would need that much storage. Well, I mean, this is back 1986. This was back when computers were still taking up entire buildings. Mm-hmm. You know, right? Like multiple rooms for no, a. You had PCs. Nah, it was 1986. No, you guys had rooms <laughs> full of computers. Well, interest- computers were fairly new. interestingly enough, though, Maggie, yeah. maybe not like computers the size of rooms, but like one of the cool things in my magnet school that I went to, we had uh, like, you know, computer time in the computer room and we had yep. Apple IIe computers. And yep. that's when I learned how to play games like Oregon Trail. And there's one about like you were Oregon like, um, yep. you were like a lemonade entrepreneur. And so you probably that one. I'm your mystery right? mansion. Yeah. What's that, Pat? Mystery mansion. What's mystery mansion? It was like a, it was a video game where you were kind of like a, there was a mystery going on and you went into the house and you found out what kind of. Kind oh, of I remember was. that. I think it was Mystery Mansion or something like that. Corrupted. All of those seven meg. Yeah. It was or something seven like that. Fight. So, yes. So, at least if for the purposes of this, uh, we know that the brain and the thought patterns of the noblest Autobot to ever exist was enough to fit on one floppy. Three times less memory to hold him as it does to show this panel of him writing down Optimus's name on the disc. So I have a, I do have a question. I, I can't, I'm not asking this to John. I am asking this to Maggie and Pat. Two parts. One is Optimus Prime gone forever. And assuming that I know what you're going to answer for that, how long do you think it is until he comes back? Maggie? Uh, no, I don't think he's done forever. I I would think that he'll be... I would expect that they wouldn't leave him dead super, super long. I don't know. It, I guess it kind of depends. I mean, I guess the it, it seems like the intent here was to kill him off forever. But I, I you know, so it, it could be that it's a very long time until he comes back. But I'm pretty sure he's he comes back. Okay. What do you think, Pat? I will kind of go with Maggie. Of course, he will come back. My question is, will he come back from this floppy disk? That's what Does I was this thinking. have anything to do with it? I was wondering the same thing. I would say that at the end of the book, Ethan Zachary has all that is Optimus Prime He's on, that on disc. the floppy disk, and he saved it. I mean, okay, that's not giving away anything. Right there at the you know last panel... He wrote out the name Optimus Prime, stored it, mm-hmm. put it in the lockbox, walked away. Okay. My thought on when he will be back, 
Mm-hmm. I want to think that it's going to be sooner, like Maggie, but it, I'm thinking it's longer. I'm going to go with another, I'll say another 24. Oh, 24, huh? Okay. Yeah. You know, Issue 48. Okay. Play, they'll play it all around there. I don't all know. Right. Maybe 50. Yeah. Okay. Are we, we going to do it like Price is Right? So I mean, I'm not going to tell you if you're right or wrong, but it's very good fodder for previously on Transformers Chronicles. Da, 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 da. So do you, do you have a guess, Maggie? Do you have a guess as to what issue Optimus Prime might I, return? I'm going to say 47. Okay. 47. <laughs> I'm playing the Price is Right. I might be the only one, but <laughs> I, I kind of agree, I guess, with where Pat was. It, it seems like I don't know. Twenty-four issues does seem like a good amount of a long while in comic book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Two years, yeah, a lot of story. A, that's a long ways. Okay, I'm just—I was just interested in, in seeing what our newcomers thought to it. But we have talked about a decent amount of this book. Um, it was a good one. It was an interesting one, and definitely worth a lot of discussion. You got the touch. You got the power! Yeah! It's time for us to talk about who had the touch, where we talk about which character in the book stood out the most, be it Autobot, Decepticon, or human. We'll start with John. John, who do you think had the touch for issue 24? Oh, man. Um... I am going to give it to Hotspot, the leader of the Protectobots. Uh, not only did he uh, remind Optimus Prime that while his his aims are noble and his goals are true, that sometimes you're missing the forest through the trees, hang out in the background, all of us can die, you can't. He was ready yep. to go off and, and lead. And not only that, his um, he very quickly intuited his situation and was able to take out uh, Onslaught in a really interesting way. So Hotspot. Nice, nice. Uh, Pat, who had the touch? Boy, this a, it is a tough one to do this because, you know, I want to say Prime just for doing what he did and, and going through with what he said he was going to go through with. Uh, he had the touch going that way, too. But I also want to give it to um, this guy. Ethan Zachary. Yeah, Ethan Zachary. Mm. Uh, just because, you know what, he had to go through and he did his noble part as well. Prime told him to mm. do it, so he had to do it. I'm torn between the two. See, that doesn't count as a half Z necessarily. <laughs> Not necessarily. So I'll, I'll, I'll leave you torn in two there. Yes. But I won't call it a half Z. And okay. I will pass it off to Maggie. See, I'm, I'm also kind of stuck between two. Um, but I think I'd like to give it to, and I hope that I'm remembering the name of the Autobot correctly, but I think it was um, Streetwise who was with Blades, the helicopter guy, yep. right? I've yep. never heard of Blaze before in my life, but there he was. Groove. Was it Groove? Mm-hmm. Groove and Blaze. That's right. Not Streetwise. Groove. Oh, Streetwise I, is the cop car and uh, Groove is the motorcycle. Motorcycle. That's right. Yeah. And because they're the ones in the in the cloud steps. Yeah. And it starts to collapse and Groove says, nope, don't worry about me. Save the people who are falling. I can take care of myself. I just thought that was a cool little hero moment for a little guy that I'd never heard of before. Nice. Nice. Um... I'm torn too. Uh, but I'm going to make a choice and say that I'm going to go with uh, the leader here, Prime, and that he definitely had an impact on the book. His handprints were all over it. And in the end, he made a decision that 
as we kind of alluded to in the opening skit, it's going to have an impact. He was the leader. He chose to have himself detonated to believe, to go into what he believed in. And for better or for worse, that was a decision that he made. And that's something that the Autobots are going to have to live with for some time. Yeah. Interesting. So big, big, big impact. Uh, cannot understate, or excuse me, cannot overstate that enough. talked about who had to touch, someone had to be out of touch. We talk about the character that was the worst in the book and that they should have to, you know what? I'm not going to say get blown up because of a video game. You people are sick. <laughs> in the segment called Less Than Meets the Eye, Pat, who is Less Than Meets the Eye in the book? I'm sticking with my same two. I'm torn in half bet- between Zachary and Prime on their choices. Why? On the choices? Yes. You want the choices? Go, 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 go further. Go ahead. I, I give you like 15 more seconds. Well, Zachary with the choice of blowing him up or not blowing him up, you know, he could have not, he could have just said, you know what? I'm not doing this and mm-hmm. gave it, gave it up. Prime mm-hmm. could have just said, you know, we're at a tie. You cheated. I cheated. You know, we'll call it even. Let's call the whole thing off. Yep. Until, mm-hmm. until we meet again, buddy. Yep. Yep. Mm hmm. Or let's take it outside. <laughs> Maybe in a different area, but. Right. Okay. Maggie, who's less than me, CI? Uh, I'll go with one of Pat's, too. I, I'm going to give it to Ethan. I, I was kind of going to give him a pass because Megatron had been constantly threatening to kill him since they encountered him. But he really seemed to strongly feel like what he was about to do was wrong. He didn't agree with it. He really looked up to Optimus and thought he was one of the best warriors that he'd ever known, one of the best people he'd ever known. And he he could have taken that moment to make a stand, I guess. I don't know how effective it would have been. He was just the one little tiny human, and these are some big robots. But I feel like, you know, what it, what is it? All it takes for evil is for good people to do nothing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think he could have, I think it was a lost opportunity there where he could have actually taken a stand and said, no, this is wrong. I, you know, and he did not. Instead, he blew up up. His- I mean, yeah, as a quick aside, it, you know, <laughs> if, if Ethan had pressed the button and blew up Megatron, I mean, what would Prime have done? Ethan! Yeah, right. <laughs> Ethan! Bam! I told you not to. I told you to blow me up and mm-hmm. you blew up the wrong guy. Yeah, like Optimus was just going to wag a finger at him. And the, also the Megatron problem would have been solved. So I, I give it to Ethan, Ethan Zachary, whose name I assume is like Ethan Zachary Smith. Because throughout the entire thing, he's referred to by his first and last name, first and middle name. I, don't know. Uh, I just assumed just Ethan saying. Zachary was his name and uh, the Autobots did not have the social graces to just call him Ethan. Ethan, yeah. yeah. John, less than meets the eye. <sighs> this is... It's been a tough one for everyone because, I mean, my choice for less than meets the eye could have been my choice for the touch. I mean, you made a very eloquent case for your choice of the touch, who was a runner-up of mine, but I'm going to have to give Optimus Prime less than meets the eye. And not not for, not even for um, allowing himself to be blown up. I don't think it ever should have gotten to that situation. It's made, I think the main flaw in what he did was once he's started allow Megatron to be dictating the terms of this, that's where he should have realized that he was um, 
that he'd already lost control of this entire situation, which he had already done so well in order to clear everybody except for Ethan out. That's what you get for playing your video game. <laughs> he didn't. He obviously didn't see the the. <laughs> and that's why <laughs> the added bit of nope, we have to protect these fake things as if they were real to me was adding a higher level of complication to an already delicate situation, considering that um, once he went through with it, yeah, he has to allow himself to get blown up. Optimus Prime is that guy. But by doing so, he is allowing Megatron to still be alive. To, have, to The Decepticons now have this unlimited energy potential, and the Autobots are going to be on a huge setback for at least a year. So... I am going to give this guy less than meets the eye. I hope someday I can again give him more than that or the touch. Maybe. I mean, I, I mean, he's he's definitely gone now. That's for sure. Um, he, he is Optimus Bits for now. <laughs> Optimus <laughs> um, the Reans. Yeah, but we will we will see uh, when slash if he comes back. And for me, less than meets the eye. I'm going to give it to the Combaticons because. I mean, to be Compaticons, they, they can't exactly combat. Now, can they? Because they no, got their stink. butts kicked <laughs> yeah. handily. Like, yeah. I mean, they didn't even win one match. They yeah, lost I was, I was all of them. Yeah, I was expecting somebody on the good side to at least, you know, maybe one or two go away, but. Yeah. Not, not even yeah. one. And of course, it was set up that the reason why they all lost was because they did not regard the heroes or the, excuse mm-hmm. me, the denizens of the game. But still, that's a lot of L's to take. If you call yourself, I am like literally a robot of combat yeah. <laughs> and, and, and you don't, you know, get a W, like not even <laughs> one. So yeah. Not not a good showing by the Combaticons in this issue. And now is the time for overall ratings for the book. We do one to ten, just like the old toys back in the day. And this will be interesting. I don't know how this is going to turn out, but we're about to find out. We'll, we'll start with the experience here. John, what would you rate Transformers 24? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? I am going to give this thing an eight. I have been really, really grooving on all of the wackiness of this title, of of that special shine of Bob Budiansky wackiness. The guy who would have a have a low bit, um, who you know, hood pick up Megatron and and carve out a crime syndicate in Portland, Oregon. I mean, or you know, a, a Bruce or Brick Springsteen concert. You know, getting taken up. Having Optimus Prime V Megatron, as as much as I I made fun of it and and mock it and all sorts of things, to pick this device in order for an event that important is just pretty great. And there aren't too many um, authors who, or there aren't too many writers who would even give that one a try. And, and, and Bob did, and it's good. The art is top notch, minus the coloring, but blah blah blah. <laughs> uh, but I mean, really, the penciling is hit hit a point where he's really got his style now. The humans look good. The robots look good. The scale is there. The action sequences are interesting. It is really firing on all cylinders. Uh, So it's an eight. We will go with the original person who needed, who was new to the world of the Transformers. That would be Pat. Pat. Transformers 24. What would you rate it? I will keep it simple and I'm going to give it an eight as well. The story... And all that did come together. Um, I think what they had to do is what they had to do. I'm giving it an eight. 
we will pass it to Mackie. I give it a seven. It was all right. Any reason? It, it didn't quite do it for me, but it it was it wasn't bad. Um, and again, as has been said here, the art throughout the book was really good, and I I did quite yeah. like looking at the pictures too as I was reading it. Um, that splash page, as horrible as it is, but that splash page with Prime is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I give it a seven. Y'all know where I am. I'm at a ten here. This is this was my book, and this is my mark out. I will be back to normal, uh, relatively calm and tapered Delvin for Transformers Chronicles 25. But for this one, it's a 10. Uh, cause I, I do, I still remember all the, all those years ago thinking, no way is Optimus Prime dead. He's gone. They, <laughs> are you kidding me? How? What? You can't. <laughs> Optimus Prime. And of course, now, you know, fast forward 35 years later, oh, Prime died. Yeah. He, <laughs> <laughs> he does that. He, he gets he blown survived up. Without a he-, he survived without a body, just to say. I, I know. But I mean, he was kind of blown up to get to that point, right? Because Shockwave surprised them all at yeah. the end. They're like, we won. And Shockwave's like, boom, you didn't. And now, <laughs> uh, and now he just like, I mean, detonated. So, yeah. It it definitely like it kept me on the hook for several months because I kept buying the book thinking, okay, Optimus Prime has to come back, right? Mm-hmm. Right? Right? I'm not gonna <laughs> tell you how many times I said that part is correct because I want to keep it on the hook. But it here's a question that isn't isn't addressed, by the way. What do you think happened to the Creation Matrix? Oh, I mean, they're, they're, yeah, you know what? Question that that is a good question, and I. There's not, it's it's not a giveaway to say that that question too is going to be answered. Suffice it to say, like when I mentioned that when Megatron called for that duel and the decisions that were made then were decisions that were going to affect the rest of the book. It is also saying that the things that happened in Transformers issue 24 will literally affect the rest of this book all the way to issue 80. That is not an exaggeration. And... So it's seminal stuff. It is for Transformers lore anyway. And that plus any number of homeristic characteristics gives me a 10 for this book. It was fantastic. We will go to John's segment of the show called Transformers Spotlight, where he discusses a particular Transformer, which was featured in today's issue. All yours, John. Today I thought I'd do something a little different, uh, considering the subject matter of the issue and the uh, special nature of it being Delvin's first. And I want to just have a brief discussion uh, under the banner of the many deaths of Optimus Prime. So Prime, Optimus Prime has, according to uh, the Transformers wiki, he has died over 25 times <laughs> in various media. I do think that they count um, the end of issue four as a death, just to be pedantic, so maybe it's only 24. Mm. But the reason that he does that is because this and the movie came out at the same time and they wanted the synergy. And so they wound up killing him off. Um, in the cartoon, they do bring him back. In this, it remains to be seen. But because of that, in other cartoons and other inquiries that you've seen, he's going to die and come back to life. I mean, this one that's currently on isn't done yet. I'm going to be pretty sure that he's going to die at some point during it. If anybody wanted to talk about, you know, their experience with Optimus Prime's death or just thoughts on whether or not you think that that aspect adds or detracts from the character at all, 
because that's originally that is not how he was planned. He was just the noble leader. Peter Cullen did help build him up in this comic bit as well. But that um, the death and resurrection aspect really solidifies home, like the Christ figure aspect of it. Yeah, the the death of Optimus in in the Transformers movie really a- actually surprised me. Um, because, I mean, watching the cartoons, I was like, well, this is the main good guy. Why would you want to kill him off? And, and I mean, I get it for the toys, blah, blah, blah. Marketing, 80s, all that stuff. Um, so, yeah, I, I was I was kind of surprised when I found out that not only did they kill him in the movie, but he'd only been around for about two and they did it. Um, the movie's great, though. I will say that. Pat, what do you got? I really want to hear from the newcomers about this. I kind of feel in the same way about Maggie. I think the cartoon played him up like I said earlier, a lot better than what the comic played him up as. Uh, You got to see more of him in the cartoon. So then when you went to the movie theater to see a big Transformers movie on the big screen with your popcorn and your soda and your candy, you were all into it. And all of a sudden, it was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. Startling. Yeah. And, And not reading the comic. So, you know, my life at that time as a kid in 86 was... I was watching the cartoon, you know, watching G.I. Joe, watching the cartoon. So it was all a big surprise to me. And then to find out, you know, reading this comic that they do it and it's tied in because of that. I'm like, you know what? You could you could have played this a little bit different, just like G.I. Joe did. You know, they kind of kept the two places separate. So you could have your cartoon Joes and you could have your comic book and you got more story in the comic book and you got more character building and all that being done instead of just hey we got 20 some minutes to do a story then we had, we're done and over and over and you know, it's just rinse and repeat rinse and repeat i'm of the mindset that optimus prime is he's got to be a hard character to write he's the leader he has a pretty cool code of ethics freedom is the right of all sentient beings he is immensely powerful but cares about the weakest among us. Let's face it, that's something that's rare. And that is, he's a character that's in that Superman area, in that Captain America area, in that Spider-Man area, and that he's iconic. That is just, that's just the truth of it at this point. And I do think that you can sometimes with those characters, you can fall back on some, some staples and you rely on them and you don't want to move from them because you're like, well, that's canon. That's kind of what happens with them. So it can be hit or miss. Like Spider-Man, for instance, when years ago, Joe Quesada took over as editor-in-chief and Joe Quesada said, well, when I grew up, Spider-Man was a swinging bachelor. And so he's married to Mary Jane now and I don't want to marry to Mary Jane. So I'm going to come up with a whole storyline to not have him married to Mary Jane, whether you like it or not. And he did. And Spidey's still single for now. Anyway, I mean, that might be changing based on the current storylines. But my whole point here is kind of the same thing with Optimus Prime. And it's interesting because like the first place I think that I saw him die was the movie, which was like Maggie mentioned, tragic. Oh, my God. I mean, he turned gray and dropped the Matrix. Was like, oh, oh, my God. Like, it's, I mean, uh, just yeah. horrifying. Yeah, horrifying. Sad. Just just gut-wrenching how he died, even though he died sacrificing himself to save Autobot City and all that. And it, But it kind of put that in place where a lot of writers think that in order for them to have their moment, 
with Optimus Prime that they have to kill him. <sighs> Do you? Uh, according to the writers, people who put these books together, the answer is, well, yeah, you kind of got to because that's the thing. I say they didn't have to, but that's just kind of become what Optimus Prime has become. Like John mentioned, it's kind of like a Jesus Christ type thing. It, but I also think it's kind of a cop out too, to where it's like, well, he's so powerful that it's best that if we just kind of put him on the shelf and let other robots get their day in the sun. And so if we're going to put him on the shelf, we may as well kill him. Right. And then we'll just bring him back because he's, everyone's expecting him to come back because he's Optimus. I know that's long, but that's kind of where I am. It's, it's super complex. Well, and, and Optimus Prime is super complex and it kind of leads into all this, but it, he's so enriched in his own canon that I think a lot of the writers that write him and deal with him feel that they have to kill him in order to add that continued depth to him, even though I don't necessarily agree with that. I mean, that doesn't happen with Megatron. You know, he doesn't die a whole bunch of times. I, I really agree with what Delvin was saying on that. The writers just seem to have really clung on to that. It's like with Superman, also you get that. It does seem like a lot of times that the only thing that writers can figure out to do with Superman is to kill him because of one storyline. And right. I, I think to do so just to do it or just because you think you need that death resurrection in order to maintain some sort of messiah figure that you need for either character, frankly, is, is really missing the point. That's why my favorite of Optimus Prime's deaths, uh, was the, the beginning of IDW phase two in the, it opens up with a, with a story called the death of Optimus Prime. And everyone's like, Oh, here we go. And Optimus Prime does not physically die in it he just gives up the identity gives up the matrix and the identity optimus prime to become orion pax again it's an existential death and that mm. was great and and that was what you were saying that is how you can take him put him on the shelf for a little while and let these other characters uh warm up that way when he returns uh that you can really make a great story about it and you don't have to retread that same thing because if you keep killing him and bringing him back it's like the effect is lost Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I mean, twenty-five that. times. Yeah, that's more than what's his face has been shot in gun smoke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's an interesting thing, and it's it's an interesting trap to follow because my favorite comic book character of all time, as I y'all know, is Spider Man. Every now and again, like maybe a Spidey writer or somebody on Twitter will ask, like, "What what would you like to see done with Spider Man?" And my what I say is, I want to see Spider Man lead the Avengers. Because Spider-Man is brilliant. The man is brilliant. And he is ridiculously smart. And if he puts it all together, he should be in charge of the freaking Avengers. Like, he's a human. He cares about people. He is super smart. He could have that money rich. And every time they go back to the trope of, well, Spider-Man has to be poor because that's what he was in the 1970s. Does he? Can't you come up with more storylines to enhance the legacy of Spider-Man rather than just relying on canon. Like, don't disrespect the canon, but you can expand upon the storyline, I think. And and that's what kind of happens with Optimus Prime. Like, I think that people just fall back on that trope a lot, and that's how you wind up now. He has died two dozen times, which is like, wow. He right. hadn't even been on... Like, Optimus Prime is a character that was invented in what 1984. It's it's 2021. 
Should he have died two dozen times? I think we can all agree, though, that it is an incredible thing that we're sitting here how many years later, you know, having heated discussions about the um, actions in in an old comic book of a character that was is a toy. Mm-hmm. It's a truck mm-hmm. that turns into a robot. He's really cool. And, and the fact that he has <laughs> endured he that robot point, that turns so into all of that truck. stuff is pretty <laughs> great. Would you say that? I said, or is he a robot that turns into a truck? Oh, man. Now yeah. I'm going to be up all night thinking about that. Very yes, Exactly. <laughs> and I better transition us away from this. We got a lot of great discussion on this, and, and I love it, frankly. So I, I hope that the people listening to this not only appreciate it, but I would love for anyone who listens to this podcast to let us know in the comments on Twitter or wherever. Write us a letter. Let us know what you think about Optimus Prime as a character. Like, I love the son of a gun. Like, he is so complex and he is absolutely an ultimate leader, not the ultimate leader, because there's not no such thing, but he is an ultimate leader who has his faults and he has his strengths. And I would love to know what you think about him dying. I would love to know what you think about this issue too. Like, please let us know comments, write us a letter or something. I would really love some feedback on it. And with that, we will go to a promo break. The transformers will return after these messages. You're listening to Prairie justice, a Greg Sanders vigilante podcast is an exploration of the DC Comics character, the first superhero to use the name of the Vigilante. First published in Action Comics 42 in September 1941, amid comics' golden age and carried as a continuous feature, during those years the Vigilante was also a member of the Seven Soldiers of Victory, and was one of the first DC heroes to appear on the cinema screen in his own serial. Reappearing in the Bronze Age, the Vigilante had a 1970s renaissance throughout the DC Universe. Greg Saunders, the Prairie Troubadour, leads a double life as a modern country and western musician, while also delivering justice throughout North America as a mass crime fighter, using the tactics and weapons of his rural Wyoming upbringing with his friends Billy Gunn and Stuff Leong. Many a nefarious scheme was foiled with six guns, ingenuity, a motorcycle and a twirling lariat. Howdy, I'm Ranger Gord. Help me follow the trail of the Vigilante on Podbean, Apple Podcasts and Google Play. We now return to the Transformers. Now it's time for Transmissions, where we heap praise upon the audience for listening to us. We appreciate the love and support that we get from the show. We are talking about Transformers Chronicles, episode 22, where we talked about Transformers issue 22. And we will start with social media likes, shares, and retweets from Aaron Bias. Aaron Hadmoss. Aaron Henley. Al Sedano. Let the wall with him. Gotta get it. Gots, gots to get it. <laughs> Alec Edward Taylor. Angelica Betty Wolf. Austin Kuykendall. Charlton Hero. Chris Leiden. Christopher Ouellette. Chuck Aberett. Clinton Robinson. Coffee and Comic. Danilo Dulay. David Moses. DeBaish. Derek Malcolm. Derek William Crabb. Ed Williams. Fro Diavolo. Gene Hendricks. Gosmosis. Green Lantern HG. Hal Jordan. Elia Owen. Paul Hicks. Ivan Chudley. 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 That was a cool way of saying that. That was pretty <laughs> cool. Like, a year ago, you guys. 
It'll never get on old. the internet forever. Forever, I know. Ever. <laughs> Jake. Jake Munoz. Jared Albert. John R. Smith. Jonathan O'Neill. Julius R. Josentono. Keith Black. Ken Solo. Khalid McBain. That's a cool name. Laurel. M. Anthony Gerardo. Mark DeSimone. Mark Hatherley. Matt Livin' Large. Max Reads Comet. Max Traver. Michael Croucher. Michael Previte. Mike Seibert. Monthly Monday Movie Mockabout. Naz Ghani. Also cool name. Peter Marinkovic. Philip O. Richard G. Richard Myers. Rick Heineken. Roberto Romero. Ruth Sutherland. Secret Wars and Beyond Podcast. Sherman. EFU.info. The Hammer Strikes. The only American Captain Britain fan. <laughs> <laughs> I like Captain. Trekker Talk. Unpacking the power of the power pack. Bernard Jeffrey. Waffles. And you can't have waffles without a little weasel skull. You cannot. And uh, we will now move on to social media comments from, and we can start again with our. I will take one from Jared Albrick, a.k.a. Death Probe, and he says, that's a fantastic cover, even though I had no idea who it was. Same here, Jared. Same here. <laughs> <laughs> Many people didn't, but it was Minasaur, who we'll probably never see again, but that's all good. <laughs> Next comment, please. From monthly Monday Movie Muckabout, just waiting for my invite. Oh, man. Rick wants to jump on board? Well, we're going to have to find a way to get him in. We'll get you in soon, Rick. Keep bugging us. We promise. We'll get you on. I was going to say, issue 26 does take place in Portland and deals with a bunch of... Um, Superpowers being given by alien technology. Like the 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 issue after next of Optimus dying. <laughs> it sounds like a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying he does cover the uh the unpacking the power of power pack, and the power pack got their powers from alien technology. Mm-hmm. So so we can't have him on for 26 because no. he doesn't know anything about that sort of. Got thing. a black <laughs> Go ahead, John. Green Lantern HG says, it's always such a joy to hear you guys, especially when talking about Transformers. Great episode. Was it only me who felt Motormaster was created to rival Optimus? So much that I felt he would take over the Decepticons eventually. He was probably, well, well I don't know if he's created a rival op- Optimus, but they did see, I think, look, two semis, let's do something with that. And they did. Yeah. They really did. Um, let's see. Have we ever read a comment from Keith Black before? If we haven't, we have now. He said, ask five-year-old me who his favorite Autobot was, and he'd probably tell you Grimlock or maybe Ratchet. Ask five-year-old me who his least favorite Decepticon was, and he'd definitely tell you Circuit Breaker. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, hated her as a kid, love her now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sign Um, of a good character, because I didn't realize. I used to always hate the wrestling heels. (laughs) Should we read the last comments or the last few? Yeah, we may as well, right? Yeah, yeah go for it. In that one. Yeah, one, one more round of comments. I'll uh, go ahead, Pat. Okay, I will take one from Christopher Allett, and he says, "I remember being confused by this cover, and it just seems like a knockoff." Yeah, and I think we had a conversation with him that was on Facebook about that, and we showed him a link. Uh, mm-hmm. That there's a link that has all of the covers from that month there's some really cool ones yeah i can see where he could think that they were all just kind of playing off of each other that way yeah yeah definitely definitely the cooler ones stand out uh from ryan daly nobody puts menasaur in a corner box which i particularly like there's enough for just one jared albrecht 
comments. He also said, uh, while quoting Pat, she's got a couple of circuits that don't quite go to the motherboard. And therefore, Pat wins the first probie. Yep. So, uh, congratulations, <laughs> Pat. <laughs> yeah, Jerry's still out on the probie. Um, how, how long is the probie? Um, I think it was as long as the thing that Wheeljack had going into Optimus's head to try to get to his armpit. <laughs> yeah, d- does it does it have spikes on it like the arena? <laughs> yes, yes, it does. Baseball? I can tell you that. Yes. Oh yes, wow! Yeah, Oof. I'm you not sure about week. You can't sit for a week. <laughs> oh, I should is envision it, it more like a speculum. Is it? Is there only one probie, <laughs> and whoever wins experience. it um, has to take it? It's like the Stanley Cup. You know, there's only the one because oh, I, I won one too, and I haven't gotten it from Pat, and I'm a little afraid. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to let you two figure that out. In in silence, it's like a piece of gum <laughs> off, off, off of camera. Definitely. All right. Last comment, also a repeat from good old GL, but he is so awesome. We will read two of his comments. He says, "Oh, and D Ray, nineteen seventy seven. Oh, that's me. Yes, yes. I got a serious question. Okay, go ahead. How big is Omega Supreme? Is he as big as a combiner? And that's all of the comments. Yeah. <laughs> if we happen to miss a few, we did not this time. We apologize." It's a good problem to have, but we don't want to forget anyone to recognize. So ping us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and we will correct it next issue. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the show. Please come back and join us for the next episode where we discuss Transformers issue 25, where we find out how the Transformers universe deals with the fallout of the death of Optimus Prime. From the Autobots, of course, and Megatron? Huh. All right. If you'd like to hear more from us, the Longbox Crusade is in a lot of places. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and most podcasters to include Spotify and Anchor at www.longboxcrusade.com. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Patreon, all Longbox Crusade. Look us up, please. YouTube, we have a channel. Please subscribe to it. We do a do it live stream once a month. Last month we played, what did we play, Pat? That was uh, Outburst. Outburst. And, uh, yeah, it was us, the Lombos Crusade, against uh, the listening audience. And the audience beat us at beat the us. end. Ugh, rough. But it was a lot of fun. I and that's like important. Optimus thing. Prime. I went, boom. Game right? over. Oh, man. Th- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thankfully, we, there, were, there were no detonators attached to us. Or otherwise, there would have been bits of me all over my office. And Miranda would not have been handy. Ah. Every second Sunday, we do a do a live stream. And plus, we're dropping additional uh, stuff that's been on the Patreon for a while onto the channel. Plus, Jared is doing a creator spotlight every once in a while. And we are soon to introduce a new show exclusive to YouTube called Come Out to Play, a new Warriors podcast that I will be hosting. So come check us out. You can also email us at contact at longboxcrusade.com. I'd like to give a special shout out to our Crusaders Club members. We appreciate your love and support. If you'd like to join Crusaders Club, we would love to have you. Membership starts at only $1 a month, and we work hard to earn your buck. We would also like to give a shout out to our sponsor, Omaha Bound Entertainment, who does hard binding. Well, they're taking a break from that for now, but they have a lot of other cool stuff. If you go to their website, omahabound.com, you will find out what they are up to these days. Now, John, please tell us about your podcast and where you can be found out on the Internet. Uh, the best way to find Maggie and myself is to point your podcatchers to Married with Comics. It's kind of the overall branching of our sh- of the two shows that we do. 
The one is called Married Watching Cartoons, where Maggie and I take turns showing each other cartoons that we like that the other one may not be as familiar with. And also, we do the Rod Pod, where we uh, cover the IDW Phase 2 Transformers, the IDW Phase 2 Transformers comics in order. Otherwise, you can find me on Twitter at MWC underscore podcast. And I am at Maggie and the Rain. Go ahead, Pat. You want to do it. In the rain, <laughs> watching cartoons. Never that is my Twitter name right now. I think it is under Maggie in the Rain watching cartoons. It's because when I was a little kid, my middle name is Lorraine, and I apparently couldn't keep that straight in my head. So when I was itty bitty, I used to call myself Maggie in the Rain. Beautiful. Well, yeah. I, I, we got to hear your origin story. I, yeah, I dig it. All right. Internet origin story. Nice. All right. And uh, Pat, where can you be found out there on the internet? Well, Devin, I'm glad you asked. You can find me on the Twitter at Christatos01. I can be found on Twitter at D-E-E underscore R-A-Y-1-9-7-7. See you all next time. And remember, freedom is the right of all sentient beings to all are one. Till all are one. Till all are one. You got the touch You got the power Yeah! All songs, song clips, and characters discussed are copyright of their respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended and it is for entertainment purposes only. We are just fans that like to share our love of comics. Takes your fighter.